Albert Speer was interviewed on Good Morning America a number of years ago. He was the genius behind the Nazi people and all the things of one of Hitler's confidants. He was one that kept all their factories running throughout World War II and the things that were going on and being a part of it. And as he was being interviewed, one of the questions that the interview asked was about did he think that he could be forgiven? And he replied that he, in fact, he was the only one of the 24 who were put on trial at Newtonburg that confessed and said, I'm guilty. And he said, in answer to the question, no, I don't really think so. I served 20, my 20 years in prison. I've, according to the law, I should have a clear conscience. I did all that I should do in, in obeying those things and being a part of it and trying to do that. Even the words that I've written in the book that you're talking about are part of my effort to try to be atoned or find some kind of sense of forgiveness. And the interviewer pressed him a little bit more, Mr. Spears, but do you, what is your conclusion? Do you think that you can be actually forgiven? He said, no. I think that's an impossibility. I can never be forgiven. Forgiveness is one of the things that we have such a misunderstanding about. We misrepresent it. We misappropriate it. We don't understand the significance and the meaning of it. And yet it is one of the greatest concepts in all of eternity. One of the greatest works of God that has ever been accomplished is the act of forgiveness of sinful mankind in all that's going on. And that's part of what Paul continues in his great message that he's giving us in the book of Ephesians as we've been looking at word after word after word that as he just piles up on the riches and the glory and the magnificence of our God and all that he does and speaking out to his people and helping them to understand what it truly means to be a people of God, what it means to have experienced God's grace and God's mercy in our lives as we look at it and as we understand the things that are there, as we look at it, it's imperative that you and I understand forgiveness, not from the world's understanding, not from the world's definition. That's false. It doesn't mean a thing. It can't have any power in your life. We need to understand God's definition. God's understanding. What does God say about forgiveness? And it's important to God. Over a hundred times throughout Scripture, He refers to the act of forgiveness in some form or another as He deals with it. He's just so concerned that we would understand and we'd get a hold of forgiveness and understand how it applies in our lives and let it affect us. And because of its effect upon our lives, how it affects us in relationships with other people as we try to walk in the forgiveness of one another, even as God has forgiven us and the things that we deal with and that we understand and being part of what's going on as we look at it. So I want to read out of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, and the first part of verse 8 this morning. And just listen to these words, and then just take a little bit of time together, talking about forgiveness. We don't have the kind of time that we need. We so know so little of forgiveness, and too often practice it even less. But we need to hear God's word about it this morning, as we think about it together, and look at this. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word? Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 7 and the first part of verse 8. The scripture says, In Him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. Did you listen to that? God has given us redemption. We talked about that last week. Through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, and trespasses is a word that means sin, but it means willful sin. 
sins that we do even though we know they're sin and we do them anyway. And yet he offers us forgiveness in those by the lavishness of his grace. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we think about this great text and all that it's about and, and try somehow to just begin to open up our minds and our hearts to, to the truth about forgiveness, to the reality of forgiveness, I pray that you'll help us. Father, we live so much in a world filled with guilt and, and concern. We, we find ourselves always uh, looking over our shoulders, thinking something's going to catch up with us that we've done that we shouldn't have done or that we didn't do that we should have done. And we live under the constant pain and, and struggle and even despair sometimes of the guilt in our lives that's there because we haven't really accepted and, and received the forgiveness that we need first and foremost from you but also from one another, and then even more so from ourselves. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would just help us to get a hold of this. And, and, and nothing that I can say this morning will be new. Everybody knows everything that I'm going to say. But, God, more importantly than knowing it is practicing it, putting it to an effect in our lives and allowing it to touch our hearts and make a difference in how we live and how we relate to you and how we relate to one another in the world in which we live. And so, Father, I pray that... You'll move beyond the knowledge that we have this morning and that you'll give us the truth of, in our heart, the, the wisdom in our heart, the ability in our lives to take hold of what it means to truly be forgiven and that you'll release us from any burden of guilt that we have and that you'll give us the freedom to be forgiving ourselves of those that we should forgive and to accept forgiveness not only from you, but from those who would extend it to us. Father, just help us to get a grip on this amazing truth of God, the lavishness of your grace in forgiveness. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. As, as we think about grace and for, I mean, forgiveness, we, it, it comes from the heart of God. It, it's, it's where it's settled. It's not something that's devised by mankind. It's not something that you and I thought of and, and thought, you know, it'd be nice if people could learn how to forgive one another. No, it begins with God. Even as Bailey and Allie shared with the children this morning, even before the foundation of the earth, God had already presented a plan of salvation, a plan of forgiveness, a means by which we could have our sins dealt with in our lives and be forgiven for all that God would do, or that we would do toward God and toward one another and the things that's going on. It's the very essence of who God is in his love and in his mercy and in his grace is that he is a forgiving father. He wants us to be able to experience his forgiveness in fullness in all that he has. Let me just mention some scriptures. I'm not going to take time this morning to read through all of them because of, of time and things that are there. But if you were to look into the scripture in Psalm 103 and verse 12 or Isaiah 44 and verse 22, Micah 7, 19, Jeremiah 31, 34, Matthew 26, 28, 1 John 1, 9, all of those verses would tell you that your sins have been forgiven. They have been cast away as far as the east is from the west. They've been buried in the sea, never to be risen anymore. Your sins, when we have confessed them before God, God takes those and forgives them in the fullness and the totality of who he is and what he's about and everything that he is. And we need to understand that and accept that in our lives and realize the truth of what that means and being a part of all that God wants us to. Forgiveness is so important to God. 
in, as I mentioned, over a hundred times throughout Scripture, he speaks of the term, the idea, the concept of being forgiving. His forgiveness first and foremost, but also forgiveness is supposed to be shared among the people of God. And one of the most harsh treatments that Jesus gave in the parables in which he spoke and the things that he did was about forgiveness. You'll remember the man who had gone to the king who owed so very much. And he couldn't pay it back. There was no possibility. He was beyond the ability to ever, ever pay back the debt that he owed. And the king forgave him of that debt out of his graciousness and out of his love. And then that servant went to another servant who owed him something. And yet what he owed him was, was absolutely able to be paid back. He would be able to do that without any question. But he demanded it be done now in this very moment in all that's going on and being a part of the things that are happening and being the things that are good and control of what God's doing. And so he wouldn't forgive that guy. He just said, no, you pay me back now or I'll put you in jail. Word got back to the king. And the king took that first servant who had been forgiven so very much and put him in prison because of what he did, because of his lack of forgiveness. He, he never understood what forgiveness was. If we have genuinely experienced forgiveness in our life, we are able to forgive as God wants us to. We're able to do what God wants to do when we have truly experienced the forgiveness that God has for us in all that's going on and being a part of it. God wants us to know that forgiveness is available, that it's for you, it's for me, it's for all of us as we look at it and being a part of it in the fullness of its provision. See, forgiveness needs to be understood in three ways. There's a word that is, it means it's a relational forgiveness. That's what Paul is talking about here. That's the forgiveness that you get and I get when we confess our sin before God and we ask Him to forgive us of our sin and to let us become forgiven to a child of God to live in the dwelling in the presence of God with all time because He has forgiven us of our sins. That's relational because we broke the relationship that we have with God. We severed it with our sin and we had no relationship. But God restores that relationship through forgiveness when we confess our sin and accept that forgiveness. But there's also not only the, the relational kind of forgiveness, but there's a restorative kind of forgiveness. That's the forgiveness that comes with fellowship. So even though we've been forgiven by God, none of us live perfectly. We still sin in our lives. We still do things that dishonor God. So we still have attitudes and practices that keep, keep us from being all that God wants us to be and the things that are going on, being a part of that. And so though we have a relationship that has been established and cannot be broken, we have a fellowship that often can be broken, a fellowship that often can be hurt so that we don't walk in the fullness of grace with God, so that we don't have the joy that we should have. We don't have the peace that we should have because we're out of fellowship with God. And we need to be restored in that fellowship. And so we can confess our sins. And he forgives us of our sin and restores us in that fellowship so that the fellowship is not broken any longer and being a part of it. And that's a forgiveness that we seek regularly. We, don't only, we only need relational forgiveness once. We accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior genuinely in our hearts, confessing our sin before God and acknowledging there's no other way by which we can be made right with God except through Jesus Christ and what he did for us. That is a one-time event. We are forgiven for our sins accepted by God but we need the fellowship that forgiveness in fellowship that restorative fellowship we need that forgiveness over and over again we don't only need it with God because we continue to sin against God but we need it with one another because we continue to sin against one another and we continue to do things wrong with one another and we find ourselves at fault with each other we need to be willing and able to stand with one another and forgive one another and be the kind of people that God wants to be being part of it but there's also a governmental kind of forgiveness that's the forgiveness that comes with God's grace that's abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. See, 
even though we're forgiven, sometimes we find ourselves living under the consequences of what we did. We do something wrong, we get forgiveness, but the consequences of what we did still follow us. They're still there. We still have to deal with it in our lives as we deal with it. Occasionally we find in God's word that he takes the choice of forgiving us not only of our sin, but even removing the consequences. He doesn't do that all the time. Sometimes the best lessons that we get are from the consequences that we suffer, even though we dwell in the forgiveness of God. But sometimes he chooses. Joel said he can restore the years the locusts have eaten away. He can restore what's been lost. But that's a choice he makes as he deals with it, as he looks at it, and as we come to it, and as we understand being a part of it. So if we, if we genuinely have trusted Christ, if we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that all of our trust and all of our faith has been put in Christ and Christ alone for our salvation, we're forgiven, we're accepted by God, and we have a relationship that has been restored that can never be broken. But as we live out our lives and we find ourselves facing all the issues of life, we still find ourselves falling short and not being everything that God wants us to be, not even being everything that we want to be. And from time to time, we have to pause and we have to say, Father, forgive me. I knew I shouldn't have done that and I did it and I'm so sorry. God forgives us when we confess it to him. We need to do that with one another. We mess up with one another so often, hurt each other's feelings, say things we shouldn't say, act ways we shouldn't act, do things we shouldn't do. But if we truly are genuinely believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we find within us the ability to extend forgiveness and to accept forgiveness from one another. Because that's what God has done for us and what God does in us and through us as we look at it and as we see the lavishness of his grace is what he talked about here. That word lavish is, is a word that, that is beyond my ability to explain to you. It's, it's beyond the riches and, and all the things that God has. Everything in the world belongs to him. All of eternity, all of creation, everything belongs to God. And it's out of that great bestowal of his great goodness and his great ownership of everything that he pours out his grace. It's not limited grace. It's not limited forgiveness. It's not just a forgiveness at one moment, a forgiveness at one time, but it's a forgiveness that's extended over and over and over and over and over again. We can't outlive the forgiveness of God. We can't be extended the grace and the forgiveness of God. It's so lavish, it's so abundant that I live and dwell every single moment in the forgiveness of the grace of God. As I was thinking about this and, and looking about it, I was trying to think of some way to express that and to look at it, and I was going through some things, and I came across an old song. I've never heard the song before, and I, but the words to it were just amazing to me as we think about this and what it is. Uh, I wrote it down as more to follow. It's got a different name on it, but it, it's by Philip Paul Bliss. It was in 1873 when he wrote these words. He said, Have you on the Lord believed? Still there's more to follow. Of his grace have you received? Still, there's more to follow. Have you felt the Savior near? Still, there's more to follow. Does his blessed presence cheer? Still, there's more to follow. Oh, the grace the Father shows. Still, there's more to follow. Freely his grace he bestows. Still, there's more to follow. More and more and more and more. Always more to follow. Oh, his matchless, boundless love. Still, there's more to follow. That's the kind of forgiveness that we have in God. It's endless. 
it's always more to follow. No matter what we do, we cannot outspend God's grace and God's forgiveness. No matter what we do, we can't use it up in our lives. He is always willing, always more and more and more to follow. Always God's grace and God's love and God's mercy is always more for us to have and to experience. Well, well then, why does it bother? Why don't we just go ahead and sin and sin and sin? That was the question that Paul was asked, you'll remember. If God's grace is so good, shouldn't we just sin more so we can have more grace? And Paul's answer to that was absolutely not. If that's your attitude, then you've never understood grace in the first place. You've never known forgiveness in your life. If you could ask such a question, that's not the question that's to be asked. It's the amazing awareness that God can forgive me no matter what I've done. That no one is so far gone that they can't be reached by the love of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. No one is so beyond the love that God can't bring them into his family and restore them into his life and be all a part of his no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. We may think we're too good for God, we may think we're too bad for God, but none of us are beyond the reach of God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness. He will give it to any of us who will come and seek it and ask him for it, be a part of it. Peter thought he was magnanimous, you'll remember, as he said in Matthew 18, Jesus, man, I know how tough life is, and if we give somebody, if we forgive them seven times, is that enough? Some of us haven't even been willing to do it once, so he was being pretty magnanimous. Seven times. Jesus said, Peter, 70 times seven, which was, was a word, a term that in, it meant endless. There's never a point in our life that we are not to forgive. We, there's not a point where we can say, okay, I've forgiven all I need to forgive. I don't ever have to forgive again. It never ends. God's grace and his forgiveness to us is endless. It's abounding in grace and mercy. It's lavish in its fullness and all that it is. He will never not forgive you if you ask him. If you seek him, he will forgive you. And you and I, because we have been forgiven much, must remember that we have to forgive as well in the same way we say it every morning when we do the model prayer that we repeat together that God, that Jesus gave his disciples when they said, teach me to pray. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are dead against us. That's a word that refers to sin. It's not talking about money that we owe. It's talking about sin. Forgive us our sin as we, in the same manner, we forgive those who sin against us. That's what we're supposed to be. We're a people of forgiveness because we have been forgiven so much. Jesus was asked in Luke chapter 7 when uh, the woman, a woman came in and, and, and gave him and washed his feet and everything and, and uh, scribes and Pharisees and people that were so righteous were so upset with the idea that he would let her touch him and be a part of that? He said, well, let me ask you a question. Does the one who owes little and is forgiven a little or the one who owes a lot and is forgiven a lot, which one appreciates it the most? The one who had the most sin because they were forgiven the most. When we truly understand, folks, none of us like to admit it because all of us think so highly of ourselves, but we're sinners. All of us are. And we're not just good sinners. We're bad. In God's eyes, we have no hope whatsoever. And yet God so loved us that he provided for us a means by which our sin could be covered, forgotten, cast away, and we could be cleansed and made the very children of God by his grace and by his mercy as he forgives us in Jesus Christ. 
when we seek forgiveness, and, and, and see, some, I hear the phrase all the time, and I think I've probably been guilty of it myself. You know, it's easier to ask for forget, forgiveness than it is for permission. Well, that might be good for you and for me sometimes, but that's absolutely false doctrine and terrible theology. We're never supposed to sin just so we can say, okay, God, give me more grace. If I have genuinely repented, what that means is that I have acknowledged that God's word is true and that what God calls sin is sin. doesn't matter what the Supreme Court has said or what the government has said. It doesn't matter what any form of religion has said or anything else. What God says is the only truth that we are to abide by as he pronounces sin to be sin. And if he says it's sin, then it is. And you and I can repent only when I say, God, what, we and I, what you and I do may not be sin according to the world. That doesn't matter. God calls it sin, it is. And I have to agree with him and say, I have sinned. And if I have sinned, I thank God to forgive me for that sin. I agree with him. But not only that I agree with him and acknowledge that I've sinned, but I say to God that I put that aside. I, I turn away from that way of life. I turn away from that sin and I turn toward you and your holiness and what you want of me to live according to your plan and your purpose and what you want me to be in my life. But just to say, most of us confess our sins only because we get caught. We're not really sorry. We're not really repentant of our sin. We intend to go out and do it again just as soon as we get through confessing it first time. That's not repentance. To say I'm sorry means nothing. To say I believe that I am wrong before God. And I confess that before you God. I agree with you. I am wrong. I have sinned. I have fallen short of your glory. Fallen short of your expectation for me in my life. And I confess that to be true. And I ask you to forgive me of that sin and to give me the power, the strength, the ability to turn away from that sin, away from that way of life, and turn towards you and live according to the plan that you have for my life. That doesn't mean we don't ever sin again. That's not what I'm saying at all. It just simply means genuine repentance. I mean, not just that I'm sorry that I got caught. Not that I'm sorry I got slapped on the hand. But that I have a broken heart, that I broke the heart of my father, that God has been broken in his heart over his love for me, that he is disappointed, that I have lived in such a way that, that after his grace, after his mercy, after what he did for me upon the cross of Calvary, as he gave his only son to die for my sin, and yet I take it so nonchalantly and I live as though it doesn't matter. Oh, God, forgive me. Lord, break my heart every time I see him. It makes us think either one thing, we've sinned so badly that God can't forgive us and won't forgive us because our sin is so terrible. That's a lie, by the way. There's nothing you and I can do that God won't forgive when we come to him and seek that forgiveness. He'll forgive us. That's what Calvary is all about. If, if our sin can't be forgiven regardless of what it is, then Calvary was a joke. God put himself on the cross in his son and he shed his blood and he died to pay the penalty, the just penalty, the holy penalty, the righteous penalty that had to be paid so that I could be forgiven and I could be accepted by God and now in the forgiveness of my life I am to walk according to God's plan for my life and when I stumble and when I fall out I ought to break my heart it ought to cause me to long 
to get back right in fellowship with God. I couldn't be happy. I couldn't just keep on dwelling in that sin because it so breaks my heart. I want to be right with my Father. So I confess that sin. He's faithful and just. Forgive me of that sin every single time. But His grace is endless. The other way Satan deceives us is to make us think it's just a little sin. It doesn't really matter. It's not a big deal. Everybody does it. It's common practice. Just feel guilty about it. It's part of the world we live in. In fact, you know, we're all human. We can't help it. A lot. A lot. Every sin matters. Every sin matters. No matter what size it may be measured in according to the world, it's not important. It's what it does to the Father that's important. Every sin matters. Every sin needs to be placed before God in confession and forgiveness. And to be a part of what's going on. Forging out His grace, the word is lavishing, unending, abounding in mercy and with joy in doing it. He loves to forgive us. Why He restored us in the first place. Why He's prepared a place for us called heaven. That we can be with Him eternally. 